Salut. Bienvenue au podcast de Travel Trip. Welcome to the Travel Tribe podcast. Good afternoon, viewers. This is your captain speaking. First, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Travel Tribe channel. We are currently cruising with seven live viewers and with expected comments reaching up to the higher teens. The time is 6 p.m. local time. The weather looks good and with an expected tailwind of juicy travel advice, we are expecting to land right on schedule. The weather in Warsaw is clear and sunny with a high of 25 degrees for this afternoon. If the live stream cooperates, we should get a great view of both participants in their local cities. Our Travel Tribe crew will be coming into the chat room soon to offer you a witty gif, clever reply, or a value-packed answer to any of your questions. Please shoot us a quick comment where you are tuning in from today so we can kindly welcome you to the Travel Tribe. Joining us today for our in-flight live stream will be Sushi and Sandbar. An adventurous duo will be sharing their experiences of traveling the world for free, working on their careers while traveling, and the kindness of people. As they do, I kindly welcome you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, that was fantastic. We loved it. (laughs) Wow, we landed. Yeah, we're here. How are you guys? Good. Good. Our seatbelts are on, so we are all ready to take off. Fantastic. Where are you guys joining us from today? So we are in the southern part of India, Kerala, which is called the God's Own Country. So we are there. Mm-hmm. The God's Own Country? Why is it called that? I think ah. the nice weather, good food. Fantastic food and the Spice. nature. It's full of mountains, lush green mountains. Mm. and uh, So in fact, we stay in a jungle here. We have our own farm surrounded by. We have our own private waterfall. So yeah, it's a God's own country. That's so cool. And are you originally from there or did you guys find this spot during your adventures? Uh, I am from south of India. My place originally is from Bangalore, which is around uh, 300 kilometers fra- from here. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm from Japan. Mm-hmm. So so the sushi and sandbar, I know which one sushi is. It's the J- Japan, <laughs> right? <laughs> Of course, in India, we don't have sushi. (laughs) So sushi and sandbar, tell me, how did the story start of sushi and sandbar? What was the inspiration for it? Well, we both love food. (laughs) (laughs) True. Maybe I think you should start from where we met. Oh, well, (laughs) you said. So we met in the Himalayas in 2012. So I was cycling and... uh, I was doing trekking. So, mm-hmm. so we happened to just cross each other and we were, we happened to be in the same cab. Mm-hmm. So that's how our story begins. So then we were dating for maybe two years or so and we traveled, traveled and finally we got married. <laughs> Not two years. We are very quick. We are, we are very quick. In getting married. Okay. Getting we, were, married. we were desperate. So I got married. <laughs> <laughs> very quick. Very just unbelievably very quick. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Very cool. So, so you guys got married, uh, and then where were you guys living? In India, Japan, or the Himalayas? Still, <laughs> <laughs> wish it was Himalayas. We were living in India itself, in a city called Hyderabad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just when we got married, or maybe even oh yeah, while we were dating itself, we were always already discussing about going around the world on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, so we were working towards that plan. 
for close to a year and a half uh, after mm-hmm. we got married so saving money and making plan creating a route everything so this was what was happening and finally in 2016 january we kick started our trip oh that is fan- that is fantastic and just so i can get some ideas before you guys left uh, was there a certain amount of money you guys wanted to save before you left uh yes we were so uh, we knew the only thing we knew was it is going to be a budget trip and so even <laughs> when you say a budget trip you know the standards vary a different level so when she, what she initially thought what meant by a budget trip was okay staying in a, a not maybe a five star hotel maybe guest a two star guest houses or one star or two star hotels or a worst come hostels but my definition of a, a budget trip was camping every day and when i say camping not in a campsite just knocking on someone's doors and asking if you can pitch our tent in their yard or you know or sleeping in temples even in police stations and so this was my definition of a budget trip oh so. that's that's so cool <laughs> yes we just we had a guest last week also who did this long trip as well uh from scotland to africa and he also was talking about oh, wow. uh picking the right spots he was actually talking about a couple uh dangerous situations he had in egypt uh but for the most part he said uh he would just his instincts to find the best spots of where to stay um so that's that's pretty interesting and where where did you guys want to start where did you guys want to finish we started from thailand yeah. like where you where you are <laughs> <laughs> you were uh-huh. yeah um, So the initial plan that we had was we wanted to cycle from India via Myanmar then go to Thailand but unfortunately uh, we couldn't mm-hmm. cycle to Myanmar the border crossing had a lot of hassles we didn't want to fight with it and luckily there was a cheap flight from India to uh, Thailand so we thought why not Thailand the reason why we started Thailand was another reason was both of our dream country was Iran mm-hmm. and we wanted to be in iran mm-hmm. uh, during the best seasons and we started backtracking it so if we want to be in iran in the month of may where do we start from and it was luckily thailand so we started from thailand wow so uh, it started in in bangkok then or chiang mai or what city in thailand bangkok 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 <laughs> great way um, to start with a bucket on kalsan road and ready to go <laughs> That's cool. Exactly. And uh so what was <laughs> what was your route from uh Thailand then to get to Iran? Uh we started from Thailand, Laos, mm-hmm. Vietnam, uh China. China, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan. And then it kind of gets fuzzy. Yeah. We entered Iran, then we came to Turkey, then, then we went to Georgia. We wanted to go back to Iran. We, we wanted to go back to Iran. We, okay. we were so happy being in Iran. Then again we came to Iran, then Armenia, then again Georgia, then Turkey. Turkey. Turkey we went three times. Three times oh, wow. Turkey, twice Iran and uh, twice Georgia. Twice Georgia, yeah. And Armenia and then we entered Europe from Turkey to Greece, South then now, so we got Greece, Italy, Italy, France and Spain, Spain and Portugal. And Portugal. That's the end of our journey. Uh how long did you guys plan to go for and what kinds of things did you uh bring with you? We didn't actually had a plan, no. Like so we we ended like one year and a half, but we could have we could have carried Continue. on, but then we decided to come back. 
so we didn't think about like it's how long mm -hmm. so, but then uh, our our luggage has to be quite small because we were uh traveling by bicycle folding mm -hmm. bicycle uh -huh. <laughs> so like uh, we, <laughs> we can't carry many stuff anyway but uh half of his stuff was like a spice like indian spice because um <laughs> You know, like we have to cook for the guests. No, not for the, the host. host. Yeah, host. <laughs> because we are kind of staying with uh, like the people's hospitality, so we wanted to do something. So mm -hmm. his uh, luggage was like uh, half of the stuff with the uh, spices, and then I carried a little bit soya sauce and then the seaweeds and then things miso. like that. Miso. Uh, maybe originally I think I had a little bit miso and all that. But yes. So and then the minimum clothing and then. Like yeah, but mm. the, interestingly, we also carried uh, the traditional Indian uh, lungi, the dhoti, what you call it, and yeah, uh, like kimono. I was here wearing yukata, <laughs> yukata the Japanese and obi and everything. Wow. So the reason, the idea behind this was we couldn't carry any souvenirs for the guest whom we are going to be, host. I mean the mm. host whom we are going to be staying mm. with. So I think this was our way of telling thank you was we used to dress them like an Indian or a Japanese. Sometimes both if they are a couple. And then we cook an Indian meal or a Japanese meal for them. That was our way of saying thank you. Yeah. And um, that's so, so you guys were kind of like a moving restaurant, uh, bringing all your spices with you and your culture. So you, so you was kind of like you were giving the locals that you were visiting a kind of way for them to experience new culture, kind of travel without having to travel, if I'm understanding that correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The idea was like we, we took pictures of them wearing the Indian and the Japanese attire. We wanted to send them those photographs at some point of time. It's still in the cards. We don't know when we are going to do it. But we send uh, the other the images, but not, true. The not the actual hard copy of the photographs, but we will surprise them slowly. Mm -hmm. Wow. So just so I can visualize this in my head, I'm just envisioning you like in the countryside of Kyrgyzstan or somewhere in Vietnam and you just... You, would you just rock up to a random house in your uh, traditional outfits and saying, hey, this my <laughs> like, can we just stay at your place? Or how, how did you guys find and choose? <laughs> you we, did, choose. we didn't wear it. <laughs> but you got to tell your first experience. Yeah, but the, you know, like, it's a, what happened is that, like, when we say we, we are locking up uh, the, somebody's door, it's not we, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to knock on the door, but you know, because um, like he said that like, it's all people going to scared of me and so on. So you have to go and knock the door. And then, so I'm the first one to say, uh -huh. hello, <laughs> 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 you know, like, which, you know, it was terrifying, you know, for me to do that in the first house because I never done that. And then I don't know who, who lives there either. So, but then it's a, the first house is um, where we are actually uh, cycling. I could see the beautiful big mango trees in front of the house in the countryside. And then one of uh -huh. my dream is to sleep under the mango tree. So although I don't like it, I said to him that like, I think we have to sleep there. So the first house, uh, we said like, hello, hello, can we come and then pitch a tent and sleep one night tomorrow? <laughs> we are going to cycle again. So, you know, like it's just everything with a gesture. Yeah. In the country. And then I said, supplies, supplies. And then she said, yeah, okay, you know, you can come. 
So we are not sure if it's like our communication is all right or not. So mm-hmm. before he said no, we just quickly pitch a tent <laughs> so that she can't say no. <laughs> she can't say no. <laughs> exactly. That, no, but she was extremely kind enough. In the right. end up, you know, in the night it was a really cold. We were not prepared. We thought, okay, we are starting from a, a tropical country like Thailand, but actually it was cold. And they took us inside. They said, better you come and sleep in my bedroom. So we, all the three of us, we slept together. Hey, not, a um, bad, not a bad invitation sometimes, right? <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. True. It was amazing. True. And this was, it kept happening throughout the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in getting every- better and better. Yeah. So the first house, she actually let us stay inside her house. Then second one is getting like a dinner and then the barbecue and then come inside. And it just kept happening like that. And then the upgrade, souvenir. You know? <laughs> yeah. Many yeah. houses, they started giving us souvenirs. So all kinds of experience. And uh, sometimes in a police day, sometimes they accept us as guests. It happened in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. They said it was around 3.30, usually around 3.30 or 4 in the evening, we'd uh, start knocking on the doors, you know, asking... And usually, if I want to give a statistics, around three or four houses, one of them accept. And sometimes the very first house is ready to have us. And in Vietnam, this was, this was what happened in a small village. The very first mm-hmm. house said, oh, you can come in. And they gave us a snack. And then they got the karaoke machine. We were all singing. Then they bought <laughs> us beer and dinner. We were drinking. Nobody beer. <laughs> yeah. No, and at 11 in the night, when we said we are really tired, we want to go and sleep. At that time, they said, Sorry, you can't sleep here and we have to go take you to the police station. <laughs> and at 11 in the night, uh, the host was a bit tipsy and even we are a bit tipsy. We were riding. And then we you know, went to the police station. The police said, you're a tourist and how can you stay in someone's house? You have, you, you have to book the hotel. Being an Indian, it's a very mm-hmm. scary thing for me because I could be arrested anytime yeah. so i the moment the mm-hmm. police said i was like more than happy okay as far as he's gonna let me go and ask me to go and stay in a hotel i'm happy immediately she says sorry we don't have money we are not gonna stay in a hotel i was like what did she do <laughs> gonna get me arrested then the police tourist what do you mean you don't have money and she's like yes we are cycling around the world we don't have money finally the police asked so what do you want to do and immediately we said how about we pitch our tent in the police station and we literally oh pitched the God. tent in front of the commissioner's room and we slept. It was really good. You know, we had full protection and security while we were sleeping and morning the police woke us up with green tea. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so cool. And just so I can, uh, I'm kind of curious, was there like a strategy that you would go to like picking where you wanted to stay were you guys like looking for the nice gated communities or just kind of all random by choice once three or four o'clock hit it, it's more like a, it's it's not like a gated community i think we i think we can't go to the gated community True. if it's a gated community they will say no before <laughs> enter the <laughs> yeah. it's a, like in the countryside when we see somebody who we can talk to behind the gate and mm-hmm. then there's a kind of big garden or like a garage where we can really actually pitch a tent. And when we see the person who looks quite like, um, you know, not suspicious, <laughs> like it's a, like a friendly family, then we will say like a hello with a smile. Especially if they, if they seem to be like, like, you know, more than in their late 60s or early 70s, definitely we would go because a couple of reasons. 
we can try their food. We definitely <laughs> know that they're fantastic. <laughs> they're going to give us a fantastic dinner and breakfast. So that is uh, But once we did go to a gated community on a last day in Thailand, so it was I, in the city. I, I forgot the name of the Nongkai. I'm not sure. So border with Laos. Uh, the last day, you know, it was near the next day is going to be Laos. It was near the Mekong River. We did go to a gated community, and it was like a huge family staying in different cottages, and they couldn't understand what we were trying to say. And uh, they, when we asked them, okay, if we can pitch the tent, they gave her the phone. <laughs> they called someone and asked, gave her the phone, and someone on the other end said, oh, you can come and sleep in my office. So what we thought was, okay, one of the family member has an office, and we are going to sleep in his office. He asked us to follow him. We followed him. <laughs> Actually, then we realized he had actually called the tourist information center. And the lady on the other end of the phone was from the tourist information center. And it was so sweet that instead of asking us to go and book a room in a hotel, she said, five o'clock, they are going to close the office. And after five, we could pitch our tent. And the entire in tourist information center was kind of our own personal yeah. space. And then the bathroom, <laughs> and then the bathroom, and then everything, you know? Wow. It's a beautiful information center. <laughs> so we could actually really um, pitch a tent, but we didn't. Exactly. She welcomed us with coffee and cookies. And so it was wow. That's interesting. So it sounds like you guys had a lot of examples of like human compassion and kindness throughout yeah, your journey. Every day. Every day. Mm -hmm. um, so of the 500 days that we were on the road, we stayed in a hotel, maybe two or three times, I think, maybe five times max. And that too, it's not because we couldn't find people. It's just because for some other reason, for example, in Uzbekistan, mm -hmm. you have to stay in a hotel because they you get a seal on your passports, which mm -hmm. you need to show when you're visiting. And the funny thing was, even in Uzbekistan, we booked a hotel and we used to sneak out and stay in someone's house. Because we wanted to actually try to, to, to know their local people. So we, we tried to find their... True. You know. Wow. That's, that's, that's such a cool and inspirational story. And were there any kinds of uh, bad experiences during these uh, requests or asks? That's the funny thing. It's like a one and a half. We never had the bad experience, like especially with uh, the people. Never. It, never. Never with the people. So it is like, uh, you know, even the one who used to reject or decline, they were extremely sweet. They mm -hmm. used to say, hey, you know what, we are really sorry, but why don't you try in that house? Oh, oh <laughs> like, oh, like a, you can't stay, but then come and stay with the chess. You Let's know? play chess. Yeah. Play chess. <laughs> so, so, like he has to like a kind of Chinese chess, <laughs> and he doesn't know the rules, but he has to kind of. Oh, that play, was play uh, chess in yeah, Vietnam. yeah, in Vietnam again. That was in Vietnam. So one guy said, "You can't stay, but you know, you can, we can play chess and we can have tea." I don't know the rule of the game, and he was playing, and he was, and every time after a couple of minutes, he used to say, "Okay, you lost. I won." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Sure, I don't know the rule of the game and you're playing with me fine. <laughs> this wow. was one. And uh, yeah, and for example, in Iran, right? Entire Iran, like first time when we went to Iran, we don't know anything about that country. Like most of them don't know. And it's like in Iran, 
I can blindly say that you can literally knock on anyone's house mm. and you can stay anywhere you want. You're going to get the best hospitality. That's why the second time when we went to Iran, we didn't take any money with us. It was literally zero dollars. But traveled. we took just a little bit money, not for us to use, but if we want to do for somebody for his client. To help or something, yeah. we just took that $10 or $15 as of this one and we traveled. Like in Iran, the kind of hospitality that we received was if you just put our fingers out to hitchhike, three or four cars are going to stop, cars and the truck drivers, and they fight among themselves that who is going to pick us. We had to choose. It's a very different from other countries. It's very different from America, where they would be picking which <laughs> oh. like hit you. <laughs> totally, and they don't take you to the destination that you want to go. They take you to their family. Yeah, and in the evening, their extended families, like close to twenty people, are waiting to see you with souvenirs. You know, this was like extremely surprising. <laughs> this yeah. happened in Iran, where we went to a random house knocked on the door they said we could sleep in the tent which our tent in their garage mm. then that evening we said okay let's go for a picnic and when we go for a picnic in their garden close to 20 people okay. their extended family members have come to meet us with souvenirs and the food <laughs> lots of food wow big party big party every big day party in every day in iran especially people in iran loves picnic so, like, when we are cycling, when we see the spot of, like, a small green patch, everybody's <laughs> doing the picnic. And then in the car, like, they always have, like, picnic set. And wow. wherever they go, they can have a quickly have their tea and then biscuits. And then every car has this set. So, so like, when we are cycling, there's a car stop and then there's the food comes from the window. Sometimes it could be rice, could be ice cream, or could be nuts. Oh, yeah, all so the time. It's just like a, it's like that. So wow. we, we, we love cycling, but at the same time, we love the uh, hitchhiking in, in, in Iran. Iran. The, the best thing about hitchhiking is the truck drivers are yeah. so friendly and amazing. As you mm -hmm. mentioned, in Iran, so when every time we are cycling, someone gives food, someone gives ice cream. And it went to such an extent that we we couldn't eat so much. We ended up giving up to others. Wow, that is that's that's a, that's a very uplifting. Uh, I heard that actually the the culture Iran is very uh, hospitable. Uh, from some of my friends who've been there as well. Were there any other uh, countries that also kind of surprised you by the level of hospitality and generosity towards other humans? Actually, it's every, every country, country like that. Every country. Mm -hmm. It just that Iran was a. Like extreme. extreme, but yeah. every country, even in Europe. Oh, even in Europe. You know, that's country. the funny thing. Every country we go, they say that we are the most hospitable country and our neighborings, you got to be careful. Every country <laughs> we go. <laughs> you know? But the France, the French, <laughs> France was the so only funny. country. They're they extremely friendly and hospitable, France. Uh -huh. And they were the only country who said, you know, oh, our neighbors are extremely hospitable, but we are not. <laughs> but wow. in reality, even they were equally hospitable. Yeah, in, it's actually, especially the south part of France, it's actually amazing. It's uh, Although they said, you know, we are not friendly <laughs> like Spain or Italy, but then they are. And mm. then in fact, that the, uh, all the old ladies, <laughs> they always like uh, come and they have an orange or, you know, like they're always a kind ripple, of interested yeah. in us. And then um, that's the first 
female person to, to stop the car. Wow. It's like a two or three times of actually the woman stop to and uh, while, while we're talking about Iran, we had a question here from Amadek who was asking, uh, what would you recommend to, uh, what do you recommend to do when you visit Iran and what is the best season to go? Best season. Oh, this is good. We went in the month of May, May. which was the first time when we went. It was beautiful. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Not too hot. Not too hot. Definitely one of the First things I would recommend personally, I don't know about you, you can, is hitchhike. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely no, hitchhike. But I think it depends if it's uh, like, for example, personally, if it's just on my own, I want to, just in case, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I want to. But I would, I would definitely recommend. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, like it's you as a man, yes, yeah. but then me as a woman, I don't think I would do if it's if I'm on my own, okay. mm -hmm. De I, just for the you know. I might do, but I don't recommend. But yes. just because I will do probably, but then I can't recommend the other woman to do. <laughs> yeah, it. sure. Okay, that is one. So we have different perspectives here. Then to see every city in Iran has its own charm and the mountains, right from the extreme east, which is the Isfahan to Shiraz to uh, uh, Tehran. We didn't go. We didn't no, visit we didn't. Tehran because it was the capital. Mm -hmm. To Tabriz. Definitely the bazaars. And Kirmanshah. Kirmanshah, which is the Kurdistan side of Iran. That's also beautiful. Beautiful. Every city has a bazaar and must visit. It's just the things like I didn't realize it. Actually, I saw, I saw the map, but then I didn't realize how big. It's the same as the, like it's India is big. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like it's a um, different parts of Iran. It is different. You know, so it's a scene and it's a different. It's just so the few places I almost felt like it's a like a Ladakh in India like a mountain is more like a sand kind of you know it's a beautiful mm -hmm. pastel color of mountains but the other side of mountain is more like a green like a Kashmir or somewhere True. more like our um like a European uh, mountains True. so it's like it depend on where you are it's just completely different, different. Uh, scenery and then the architecture is amazing it's Beautiful. Yeah, and extreme intellectuals, the people, the level of, uh, or at least the depth mm. of uh, the conversations that you're going to have with them, they are either interested in poetry or philosophy music. or music. Almost, it's, I think they're gifted. Everyone sings. In, yeah, and all the, the truck drivers the, they used to entertain yeah, us, yeah. and then play instrument. And it's just and like a truck driver, so intellectual. It's, just, uh, it's just very uh -huh. interesting to have a conversation with. True. And the reason why, what, that's the reason why I said hitchhiking is a must, especially with truck drivers, because mm -hmm. it's like going in a you know business class in a flight. They welcome you inside. The truck is so clean. clean. They have amazing carpets inside. Once you get in, they make tea for you. So you're <laughs> sipping tea and you have this beautiful view in front of you. And you know? then there's dry fruits. And they and give you dry the, fruits and sometimes know, they bring ice cream. <laughs> It's like you know you are being served every two or three hours. <laughs> wow! Turkey was a bit similar, yeah, I would Turkey. say. Mm -hmm. Not as much as Iran, but I think yeah. the next most hospital was definitely Turkey. Okay, and did you have a chance to go to Georgia as well? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's a beautiful country as well. It's a beautiful. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. I've also heard that the people are extremely uh, hospitable there as well. They take it sort of very ingrained in their culture. Absolutely. That's right. In fact, the funny thing was, uh, I had she doesn't need a visa to Europe, but I need a visa to go to uh, 
Europe. And uh, so we we stayed with one family, a Georgian and a British couple, for almost two months in Georgia, just in that house. And it went to an extent where we were taking care of the house. They were not there for a week or 10 days. <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks, right? Two, two weeks. weeks. So they and had to go back to in a, to. England. England. So we were staying and uh, so and if the beauty of Georgia is every house, uh, most of the houses has a cellar and they hide their wine in huge <laughs> barrels. It's not like they're front. <laughs> they're front. <laughs> they're front. Oh, yeah. That is one thing we didn't know about in Georgia. Like, you know, taking wine to someone's house as a souvenir can be sometimes considered offensive. You know, you're kind of insulting them. Hey, you know what? Your wine is not good. That's why I'm bringing wine to you. <laughs> you know, this was a bit strange because everyone makes their own wine. They are so passionate about the wine yeah. culture and yeah. they wow. drink a lot. They drink a lot, yeah. In Georgia. Life in size. Yeah. yeah. Were there any other cultural misunderstandings you guys had or any things that happened by accident that you guys didn't even realize? For example, like this Georgian wine um, with with the with the bringing the wine together. Yes, in Georgia, the example you can think of something definitely, but for me it was Georgia's. <laughs> the host whom we were share, uh, staying with, we know that people drink. Sometimes you know you drink till late night, <laughs> but this was the first time the family whom we were staying with, the wife left. She had to go to Azerbaijan <laughs> oh, on a business is, uh, trip. From, uh, She's from I London, so UK. she had to go to Azerbaijan for a business trip for a week or I think three or four days. The moment she left, the friends of the husband came over <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Three or four, and uh, they said, and they started drinking. They asked us to join. We sat three hours, four hours, five hours. We thought, okay, it's going to end sometime. It has to. And I thought, then uh, we said goodnight and we went to sleep. When we came back in the morning, they were still drinking. They continuously drank for three days. <laughs> It's like parents out of town. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like two people are drinking. One goes and he sleeps for a couple of hours and he comes back and they start drinking. And the funniest thing was in every time you drink, you have when you pour a drink, you have to toast for uh -huh. someone. Just imagine if you're drinking for three days, whom would you toast to? You know, you're, you're kind of exhausted. But they're very creative. They are <laughs> extremely creative. They toasted for the people whom we are going to meet in future on our road during our journey. <laughs> the people whom we have met in the past. They, someone whom they met when they were drinking in a bar, when they were kids. <laughs> it was like, and, and their grandfather, their grandmother. Oh my God, this was amazing. That was the biggest cultural shock it for was, me. It was a funny. Cheers, cheers to the grass. Cheers to happy <laughs> Exactly. And and it's not, the funny thing is, it's not just cheers, you know. It's, you really got a toast. You have to make a speech. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, someone made a speech and a toast for you as well, Jordan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so can you tell me a little bit? I know one of the things you guys did was you traveled a couple of countries together, uh, to, to, together, Georgia, Turkey, Iran, and Armenia for zero dollars. Can you kind of walk me through like the day-to-day -day of how that looked? In fact, uh, the entire trip was kind of zero dollars. Mm. And... Uh, so you want to explain our day, a typical day, how it would be? It's like, because we are cycling, um, like we start very early in the morning. We actually start 
like eight. No, S seven, eight, eight the latest, which, yeah. I think seven, eight. Like we start, we start cycling. And then I... And most of the times, even before, when we start mm -hmm. cycling itself, the family would have given us breakfast. <laughs> wow. If we stay. Yeah, if we stayed the the home homeover we stayed with, or sometimes they don't. Yeah. So even if they don't, we have some stuff in our bag which some family would have given. Like uh, sometimes mm. they give you a huge bag of nuts or dry fruits, so it's always there for your energy. So food is kind of most of the times taken care of. And then and how? Uh, and then, and then how long would you guys bicycle for? Yeah, but like the things like so when we are tired, we stop. Have a chai, or like, I have a water, or like, I have a snack, and then mm -hmm. like, I need some type, kind of reward. So he normally said, like, if we go up, if we go on top of that hill, you can have a break. Then I okay. Then it's like that. It's kind of kind. It's not like a speedy kind of the cycling. Like we are quite slow because of mm -hmm. me. So it's about maybe, um, if it's like a hundred kilometer per day, if it's a straight. If there's like a difficult route, maybe 30 to 40 kilo kilometers. But then we always finish by four o'clock because we had to find, find a, a place, place to, to pitch our to tent. Pitch our I mm. think one day in Laos where we kind of, we got lost on the mountains, literally, literal mountains, no civilization, nothing. So we got lost almost for three or four days, I think, four days at a stretch. So that was the hardest part for us where we were really struggling for food and, you know, because you don't have shops, you don't have any supermarkets. And then when we, when we saw mm -hmm. that like we were on top of the mountains, it's actually another mountain is waiting for you. Kind of. <laughs> and there is Illusion. It's just muddy road for three days. You know, you're covered with mud, no food, extremely frustrating. The climate, sometimes it starts raining. And all of a sudden, you come into a tribal village. You see grandma smoking weed and staring at you. <laughs> like uh, those uh, cannibal movies, you know, first time when you see that. <laughs> that's how I thought, but they were extremely sweet. But, you know, that's kind of the beginning of our trip. We have just spent 15 days in Thailand and entered Laos, and this is what we go through. It was a bit scary. Then, you know, you can you try to you understand them. Oh, they are kind. It, it was actually the way you think about it, quite nice village. It's, it's mm. like, I felt like it's a, I, I, I never had the, uh, the war experience, but I felt like it's, a, oh, maybe like a, after World War Two, maybe the it's a bit like that in the village <laughs> in Japan. You know, it's just like a, the small children's looking after other child and then, you know. And it, it just kind of felt like yeah. a very... Um, it's a very nice village. It's just uh, very different from the city. True. Yeah. This was in Laos. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. So typically, yeah, it varies to answer your question. Uh, we start by around 7.30 or 8 in the morning. And, uh, you know, we ride. We take sufficient breaks. And sometimes we don't go the next day at all. Sometimes we are like parasites. They are like, okay, can we stay one more night? And they are ex extremely excited. Sure, why not? You can stay with us. <laughs> so... This is how we take it very long. Yeah. We have we have a question here. It says, hi, Sunil. Do you remember with how many families you stayed in your entire journey? And uh, if you have anywhere where you can share some of the photos of, of your journey where people can find them. Ah, we, we would have, I think, easily. I think once we counted, it's close to 150 families or something. Wow. In, uh, approximately that uh, we stayed. And all our photos are on our Facebook page, Sushi and Summer page. Every single hostess photo. 
So, wow. and uh, I think the total truck drivers, when we counted, it came up to 90 odd something approximately. <laughs> and I think the total families we stayed was around 150. That's that's plenty of them. And do you still stay in contact with them uh, every once in a while? or? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely, we do. Yeah. We do. We, uh, we keep chatting with them. We uh, Especially the good thing about Facebook is it throws up these memories, right? So either they comment on those or we share it with them telling, hey, you know what, five years back, this is where we were in your house and thanks for the hospitality. And we keep asking them to come over and stay with us. We want to have the opportunity to host them. And we, we did, in fact, a couple of them in whom we met on the road, they came and stayed yeah. with us mm -hmm. in India. So that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, that is nice. And um, I had a guest from Pakistan on the show a uh, couple months ago, actually, and he was talking about how, you know, for, for some of these people, especially in villages who do not have the financial resources to travel, for them, it's it's honestly uh, such a, a blessing that they can get to experience a new culture, you know, whether it's Japanese or Indian and, and hear about your stories or see what you eat or have some of your spices on your moving restaurant, that it's, it's a way for them to travel without ever having to leave their house. So, that that is that is a, a, a big win-win uh, from this situation, and I also wanted to ask you because it sounds like a phenomenal journey, and you met so many people throughout the journey. Uh, there was a TED talk involved somewhere here. Uh, how did that happen? Uh, that was in uh, Armenia. So mm -hmm. you know, while we were traveling, so somehow I don't know how the it's a long story how we got connected. I think it made it because the, the initially our TED talk was supposed to be in Iran. True, true, true. That's right. Uh, we were actually, uh, second time when we were coming to Iran, there was already one organizers had arranged our TED Talk in Iran. So we went to Iran. So the plan was, okay, we are going to go to Iran with $0 and go give our TED Talk. And by when we were in Iran, the Armenian, uh, we, uh, the, the TEDx Erawan invited us to talk about mm -hmm. our journey. So they were also, you know, kind of excited to see that, okay, these couple are staying with families without any money. But unfortunately, uh, the last minute, the Iranian government said foreigners cannot come and talk in our country. <laughs> so, it so the Iranian TEDx did not happen. And then we thought, okay, fine, still, let's go. So let's hitchhike back to Armenia now. So our journey, the way it happened was extremely funny. In one day, we hitchhiked three countries to come to Iran. <laughs> we were in Georgia. Then from Georgia, we uh, hitchhiked to Turkey. Then from Turkey, we hitchhiked almost 900 kilometers to come to Iran. Wow. So, and that was the first time, you know, the person who was taking, giving us the ride, the longest ride, he was a manager in a hospital in Turkey, the border of Iran. And he said, you know, you guys, I have a luxury VIP maternity ward. You can come and sleep <laughs> so in a maternity. We first in a maternity kind of VIP <laughs> So, yeah, we slept in the maternity ward. And early morning, a nurse came with the maternity breakfast, you know. <laughs> Usually, they they give for the pregnant woman. Fantastic. So, and then we came to Iran. And then, unfortunately, the event was canceled. But still, it was good, you know. In a way, we could travel Iran for another 30 days without with zero dollar. We made the zero dollar documentary. And then came to Armenia. So that was a good. That was, in fact, Armenia was kind of not in our plan initially. And because of this TEDx, it happened and was, and was such a beautiful country. country. Oh my God, beautiful. It was. Mm -hmm. Nice and people. Lovely, extremely lovely intellectuals. People. And if you want to see you know, how the, uh, what were the intellectuals doing during the Soviet time, mm -hmm. 
Armenia is the best, you know, the kind of artists they have. And they have their own unique art and everything. It's a beautiful and one of the best wine. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's great. And uh, what was your TED Talk about? And did you uh, have any kind of special preparation before uh, giving the speech? Your TEDx, you were yes. the, she was the author or the writer of the <laughs> TED Talk, so you got to... No, the thing is like we, like initially we had the different kind of the, the materials because mm -hmm. he's supposed to give the TED Talk and then I supposed to give another one. Like we, we both had a different topic in Iran. But then in Armenia, we supposed to do, to give only one. So we decided that our my topic was about the uh, golden heart on the road, which is kind of relevant to this trip. So like it's, uh, we decided to do it together with uh, the material which I was uh, preparing for it. What was good is that like uh, it was actually a saver for me is uh, because I'm not good at talking anyway. So I don't want to give the talk. And then I I have a very bad memory as well. So like so when I'm preparing it and then you know the organizer said that you can't have a cue card. And I was like, oh, it's impossible, you know, like it's impossible. <laughs> but I was still preparing like it's in Iran, like every day I was kind of like trying to memorize and everything. It's just so difficult. And then I said when I kind of suddenly that we decided we are gonna do it together. I said, it's amazing. That's great. Because he's got amazing memory as well. <laughs> so, like, he's, he's going to be like a cue card for me. <laughs> yeah. And he's amazing. He's just very good. So, it was good. It was, True. It's, it's good. Because it's our story. It's not mm -hmm. although I kind of wrote it, but it's In our fact, story. It's not so even it's our story. It's the, our, the people's story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, mm -hmm. We both were clear on the message that we want to communicate to the world. It's every day, the moment you switch on the TV or read the newspaper, you you just want to. It makes you feel that you live in a very bad society or a very bad world. But that's definitely not true. It's so untrue. When you go out and meet, it's like we live in such a beautiful world, and mm -hmm. why do we get to listen to this crap all the time? So. I was like, okay, this is what our experience is, which was totally different from what you see in the media, and we wanted to tell that. Yeah, I had a chance to to, to see it today, and, and it was that was a really beautiful TED talk you guys did. And uh, I had another question. I know that we kind of discussed this earlier. You, you had some kind of terrorist encounter. Can you tell me a little bit about that story? <laughs> oh, that yeah. was. <laughs> it's, um, but there's a terrorist. We have to clear that the, what kind of terrorist is. Okay, it was uh, the Kurdish, the Danish, uh, you know. So, uh, so just to give a background, so uh, when we were in Turkey, we had all the all kind of incidents happened when we were in Turkey. I don't know if you remember that the particular year, there's a lots of blast happening in Turkey, happened mm -hmm. in France, in Belgium. That particular year it had was a lot. 2016 or 17, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 16 or 17. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, so when we were in Cappadocia, there was a huge bomb blast in the Ataturk airport in uh, in uh, Istanbul. And then, you know, so everything shut down. We were like, okay, it was kind of becoming uneasy. And that time, the ISIS had said that they were going to be targeting Japanese, uh, you know, uh, uh, Japanese community, etc. So then after Cappadocia, when we were, we went to the Black Sea area where we were staying with two young girls. So at that time, there was another incident. Uh, a coup happened in Istanbul. Part of the army went and captured 
So again, this time what happened was everything was shut down. The entire world was noticing. So our families were messaging us saying, "Can you go back to Iran? Go back to Iran. <laughs> Turkey is unsafe." And you know, like even the two girls whom we were staying with, they were extreme conservatives, very conservative. And when they got got to know, they got scared. Like, oh my God, it's when the army goes and captures, they are gonna cap, you know, kind of target the conservative people. Maybe we need we need to hide the Quran. and etc so this was the environment on that day then we went to the border of georgia and we told our families and everyone telling hey you know what we are in the safest part of turkey now it's a small village called matka and next day we are going to be in georgia so nothing to worry and this family whom we stayed with they said uh, next day morning we are going to take you out to show some unesco world heritage monastery we were excited and next morning we come down they are all silent they asked what happened and uh, they said no actually six terrorists killed three policemen in the in the same street where they live they all heard the gunshots and uh, they asked us not to leave the house and the stay here they're still around they and yeah the terrorists were still in the wild so the cops had not caught them yet unfortunately their house didn't have a wifi and i had a important uh, business meeting to attend that the same day so i thought okay maybe i know i could go to a nearby hotel to use their internet it was that entire village just has one street and this one hotel on the street had this internet cafe and so i was sitting and taking a call and she accompanied me i told her please go back home and don't roam around i know her she wants to explore the markets go and taste the food etc but while i was watching through the window from the cafe i could see her she didn't go home instead she went towards the market after 5 or 10 minutes i see a huge army tanker pass by and in the next 5 minutes there are close to 50 or 60 people who have kind of gathered and they are all targeting a building right in front of me the first thing that kind of stuck my head was maybe they have taken her as a hostage she and i i told i was literally on the call that time i told my clients that sorry i need to drop off i had tears in my eye and i go inside i kind of uh, you know go through the crowd and ask people what's happening through gestures is it a japanese you know any terrorist and they all say uh, danish danish which is the terrorist the kurdish terrorist you know danish danish and when i go they are just caught one terrorist like 5 meters from me i the first time in my life i see a terrorist was that close and they had just caught him and the second one was right there but i still can't find her and then i just go a bit more further on in one sweet shop she is peacefully been she is eating baklava with ice cream and the first thing she says i was so angry i was so scared the first thing she says is darling you should try this baklava it's amazing <laughs> and at that time you know she has been seeing the entire incident she has seen the terror she has seen the huge army tankers everything enjoying the baklava <laughs> so this was one of the terrorists <laughs> that's uh, that sounds like a very <laughs> scary situation turned uh funny turned angry she <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. was angry i was it took a while for me to calm down <laughs> wow that is that is a very crazy story um 
You also mentioned that you were doing uh, business meetings during the um, during this, and so one thing I know we wanted to discuss was you got you recommended that, or you wanted to discuss was not uh, stalling or putting your career on hold while traveling. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, if well, beginning of the trip, I wouldn't have made the statement, but now after the tour, I can definitely say, you know, many people will be surprised. In fact. If I take my professional career before the trip and after mm-hmm. the trip, I have grown much faster in my career, mm-hmm. be it my designation or the monetary benefits or in every single aspect. So the common myth that people have is, okay, if you take a gap year in between while, you know, during your profession, it's going to you know slow down your progress, professional progress, which is not true in my case. And the mm-hmm. reason is because... I didn't show my, in my resume, I didn't show those two years as a gap year. Instead, what I did was, I'm predominantly into innovation consulting and quality and et cetera. Through my journey, I, uh, through the trip, I started through LinkedIn and other professional channels. I started connecting with people, telling them, hey, you know what? I can come and consult your company or I can share my knowledge or you can share your knowledge with me we can publish papers together. We can keep on collaborating. And with every uh, every country or every city we traveled, I made sure that either work with the university, give you lectures over there or attend seminars. Yeah, and uh, you know, conduct a lot of workshops and help companies consulting. Now, just imagine after the trip, my CV has says that I have consulted in close to 20 odd countries. You know, and I have given lectures and taught students and conducted workshop in at least five to 10 countries, both in Europe and Asia, which means I have a huge cross-cultural mix. I work with different cultures, different environments, different industries. And companies would love to grab such employees. If I have to hire someone, definitely I would go for it because, you know, he has seen the world and he knows Mm -hmm. how different organizations work. You bring in huge value to the organization that you're going to work. Yeah. That's great. I, I was just going to add also two other things is like one, of course, network of people you are meeting uh, from all over the, the world. You never know when in the future some kind of opportunity might come up where they'll contact you uh, to, to collaborate or on some project. <laughs> and uh, the second thing I was thinking about, it really kind of visiting different countries and different cultures gives you a different perspective on how things operate, a completely different way of a system that works where, you know, you can start taking pieces that you think are, you know, really beneficial or are really cool or innovative and bringing it back to your own culture or somewhere else, uh, which, you know, that you would never have seen because you're so used to living in your own little, you know, world or bubble. But when you go outside of it, you can start seeing new ways of thinking. Absolutely. You know, you're right on. For example, the kind of, just to give the kind of clients that I met, one was municipality of Iran. Mm-hmm. You know, how does the government of <laughs> Iran function, right? Everyone is curious, you know, everyone wants to know it's a closed yeah. country. And on the exact contrary, some of the huge corporations in Spain are some of, and for example, United Nations uh, public sectors, sister concerns. You know, for example, uh, in Greece, I was working with the public sector companies who do the tax for some of the United Nations. So how do they function? Mm-hmm. So it's a huge variety of private sectors, public sectors. 
it's a huge and the knowledge that you gain is fabulous and you you made another very interesting point jordan is on the kind of contacts and the networking mm-hmm. so after my trip within two or three months i was invited again in greece for a seminar so another opportunity to travel <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. oh yeah and and the biggest asset i would say is through this trip i could publish a book related to my subject and the publishers are more than happy to publish this and they were eager because of the kind of vast knowledge that it would bring across countries so mm-hmm. and uh, you know so when i had that in my cv that again adds a huge value to your professional career yeah of course everything was position at yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Now, instead of just thinking about, you know, one country's market, you can start thinking kind of like a global market and how to appeal to it. Um, so that's that's very nice. So uh, we're going to kind of slowly wrap things up here. So I'm kind of uh, wanting to kind of get a little bit uh, reflection on the whole trip. So how long was your trip overall and kind of what were the lessons that you learned while reflecting on it afterwards? Sure. I The trip was for... Uh, 500 days exact to be precise that one and uh, you want to what way what do, how do you reflect you want to go first okay for me okay was, for me it was definitely you know the, the people uh definitely we want to do this kind of a trip again uh we live in a beautiful world and traveling through the kindness of people is something everyone has to experience it mm-hmm. and that's when we really start appreciating the little things and that we we are surrounded with which is kind of neglected at this point of time yeah and Very- in after such a trip you always kind of start noticing it oh mm-hmm. if not you wouldn't you know if not it kinds of becomes a norm but once you do such a trip you notice those minor details the good things in people around you that is how i would reflect it I think it's it's the same but uh, I think if I can add a little bit is that the um there's something like this kind of trip actually um change yourself as well a little bit like you know you you actually discover yourself you know how what you can do you know how you how you feel how you reflect to the others and then what you can bring to the others how you receive the others and then it, it, you know it's our true. relationship also Yeah, you're a change person yeah. because mm-hmm. the reason is that is a interesting reason for that because you have been pushed to something that you have never been in mm-hmm. so that's when you really got to be you you start being innovative creative you're in an uncomfortable situation and you start finding comfort in yeah. that and you accept the situation that is what i think what this kind of you know the trip was good is that the, uh, there's no plan so we are always flexible so which means like we are ready to try to take risks and then i said we are kind of willing to have the completely different things and then you know uh, it's uh, always interested to meet the uh, new people and then it, it's just amazing always curious what's next very 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 beautiful and the last thing i'm going to ask you is I I have some uh, friends you know that are like oh I don't have enough money to travel or something like this if you were going to give some advice to anybody who was looking to take a similar trip uh is there any kind of tips or recommendations you would give in hindsight now that you guys have done this 500 uh day trip other than hitchhiking with truckers for uh upgraded business uh suite in uh <laughs> Iran 
Oh, absolutely. So the first thing I would say is uh, definitely the trip will not go as per your plan, but still plan. Know how the visa, especially with someone, you know, with a, a country like India where the passports are extremely stringent. We, you need to get a visa. So plan in advance how your visas, everything is going to work. Try to find sponsors. If you try, you would definitely, for example, for us in our case, though it, I wouldn't call it as a sponsor, uh, you know, we were practicing in a big bicycle, but we never thought that, you know, one of the best bicycle companies in UK, Bromptons, would be ready to give us a big discount because we were doing this kind of a trip. Always don't be scared, ask. Every time we wanted to do something, we asked. If you want to go and sleep in someone's, okay, you don't be scared of rejections, just go and ask. Same with the connections. You ask 10 or 20 people, sell your skills. Definitely, there is a job for you in every country that you go, yeah, or yeah. there is an opportunity. And even if not monetary, you know, it, it could be like they might give you space to sleep. They might give you food or they might give you experience that can go into your CV. So that really adds value and it's a huge indirect you know, benefit that comes to you. Couchsurfing couch request. Uh, you know, please don't write requests because even we receive, we used to receive such requests and even we didn't know about it. When you're asking someone for, uh, you know, to be, to host you, explain yourself, make yourself interesting and let it be very humble and genuine. Mm -hmm. So that gives your chances of, you know, being accepted. Mm -hmm. Always carry a smile. <laughs> it, makes, you know, it, it makes you less scary. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, well, very good. Thank you for all those good, juicy uh, tips and tricks for uh, traveling discounted. We promised the beginning that our flight was going to have a lot of those good, juicy details. And there you go. You guys so beautifully and eloquently summarized all of that. Uh, we do have a question here from Yuta Kazuki, who asked, why did you try your, uh, why did you end up stopping your trip? Ah, why did we end stopping our trip? Uh, it's something due to some personal reasons. Mm. So we mm. had uh, some personal reasons which we can't explain in this open and, uh, you know, so we had to go and meet the family immediately. Yes, of course. We'll, we'll leave it at but that. At the, same, at the same time, it was actually, it was a good ending. Uh, so it was a logical um, ending. Yeah, because it's the uh, end of, like, Europe. And so, <laughs> so it's kind so of... It it was from the extreme east, uh, east <laughs> of Asia to extreme. So in Spain, we uh, decided that, okay, it's time for us to end our trip. And definitely it was not, it has got nothing to do with the financial reasons or something. Yeah. Because usually people think, okay, you know what? They're out of money. They want to end the trip. No, <laughs> it was, uh, Nobody wants to give them a yard anymore. Nothing. The restaurant is closed. The movie <laughs> exactly. <restaurant>. In <laughs> fact, our, our plan when we were still, when we were still in, I think, in Greece or in France even was, in Spain. even in Spain, our plan was from go. Portugal, continue towards yeah. the north of yeah. Europe, go to the then Balkan, Balkan and then, and then uh, do the trans, take the Trans-Siberian Express uh -huh. through Russia. And then from Rajostok, take ferry to Japan. Japan and uh, surprise her parents. <laughs> 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 you know, that would have been so, but uh, we didn't. Uh, yeah. We, uh, it was your personal reason. We'll end it here with Jordy's last question. And he asked, what is the first place you want to travel once this whole pandemic is over or easier, safer to travel? Yeah. Okay, let's see. Let's be on a count of three. We will tell the place. Let's okay. see if it's going to be the same or not. Yeah. One, two, three. Iran. Africa. <laughs> okay, I said Iran, she said Africa. <laughs>
okay, so we, so we have. We, I think it's going to be a long night for us. We're going to have a very heated conversation now. Very cool. Now we're just starting arguments here. Actually, our last three guests were all from Africa, or the stories were about Africa. One was bicycling through oh. Africa, so good thing to do. One was road tripping through Africa, and the other one was uh, volunteering with the rhinos out there. So uh, it seems like a, a hidden gem waiting for you guys in Africa if you guys do go there or back to Iran. Uh, Sushi and Sambar, I want to thank you guys for coming on today, sharing your story. It was filled with great advice, a lot of journey, a lot of laughter. Uh, thank you guys for sharing your story, and I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you for inviting us. It's great. <laughs> and it was a fantastic takeoff on the smooth landing, Jordan. Thank you a lot for that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Ciao. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening to our story. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Travel Tribe Podcast. Join us each Tuesday as we release new episodes with great adventures. Until then, remember, the most dangerous thing you can do in life is to play it safe. Stay adventurous.